are back. Another edition of the Varsity Podcast. And, Sponge, we are closing in on the end of the regular season in football. We're already talking basketball, media day, high school basketball tip-off coming soon. Man, it flies by, doesn't it? I know. We've got, what, three weeks left of the regular season before playoffs kick off? Yeah, district titles have already been wrapped up in in some scenarios. So, it just seems like, I've said it before, but once this football season starts going, it's like, you wake up sometime in December because this season just goes by so quickly. As we always do on the Varsity Podcast, we uh, look ahead, but first we look back. And, you know, Sponge, what was your big takeaway from Week 9? Obviously the big game we talked about last week was the St. Johns County game, Bartram, uh, against Creekside. And it lived up to be a pretty good uh, game. Obviously a tight one throughout, a little bit of defensive uh, slugfest, back and forth. 16-13 Bartram yeah. on a walk-off field goal. Yeah, my boy Sharif Denson got the pick late yep. in the game to, to wrap uh, get, it up. get get the uh, ball back to the Bears on offense to get them down the field to get the walk-off field goal. They win it 16-13. Heck of an environment. I wish I, I didn't I didn't go out there for that, but I mean it was I heard just packed Packs, to the gills like crazy I heard, parking. I heard streets were like yeah. you know, lined with just parking you couldn't get in. It was no standing room only. You know, so that that's always a good. Thing when you can have that good of an atmosphere to um, hype up your game, and you know St. John's County, they they kind of have that small small town feel sometimes with some of their games when there's a big game like this. So obviously, uh, two good teams played a heck of a ball game, and you know just big win for Bartram to get up on the uh, the district there. Do you think? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week, but do you think that history of that series played any? account into that game where you know Creekside went into that game one in 12 all time against Bartram do you think in crunch time that the coaching staff or the players maybe froze that, up a little bit at that point of the game I kind of say no because you know you're once you're in the game once you know everybody talks about bulletin board stuff and you know things that have happened in the past and sure you think about that stuff maybe pre you know practice week you know maybe before the game Maybe a little bit in the game, but I think once the game gets going, you kind of are in the game mode, and it really you don't nobody's thinking about oh we've lost these guys twenty years in a row. You're, you're just in the moment there. You're trying to just do what you can to win the game, get a big interception, get a stop, get a field goal, you know all that stuff. So I think I think once it gets going, I think that's kind of out the window. But I mean, obviously uh, history repeats itself as Bartram yeah, keeps thirteen on and one now against Liam Padrone, the the field goal to win the game. Pretty darn impressive. He'd missed a couple times earlier in the game, so redemption there and more heartbreak for Creekside. So, I mean, Creekside, you go from your best start ever to losing two games in a row and having to scratch and really be perfect from here on out to get in the playoffs. That's just how crazy this season has gone. Um, Another one I thought last week was uh, pretty telling. Nice at halftime leading Fletcher. I left that game at halftime. Nice was in control. And the second half, they could not get it done. And Fletcher continues to be the cardiac senator kind of team. Yeah. Jabari Williams put the team on his back. And C4, after a rough start for the senators, he's got them on the cusp of winning a district championship. Yeah. Did you but, see that coming? I mean, we, we saw how good their defense has been, which has been, you know, fun to watch. They've held teams to, like, you know, two scores a game. Their offense has been struggling, but they've been doing enough to keep on winning these last four games. You know, we th- we knew Nice was high powered with the offense with Stokes and and Dom Henry, and they've been scoring a lot of points. You know, moving the ball up and down the field. So you're like, can this be a defensive? Uh, can can Fletcher you know slow them down a little bit? And for the most part, they did. They kept it tight early, even though Nice was in control at the fir- at the end of the first half. 
you know, Fletcher just kept chipping away, got the late score, you know, put him up one to win it, and it's just like, you know, got to give got to give hats yeah. off to C4 and, and that defense. Fletcher, like, heck of a heck of a turnaround from the the beginning of the year, but really, you go back to the beginning of the year, and they they were in all those ball games. You know, they lost a tight one to you know. Sandalwood to start the year, you know, lost like a one point game, I think, to Parker. Nine to seven. Yeah, nine, you know, and Unbelievable. So they're in every game. So, you know, they're a couple, you know, points or possessions away from being maybe undefeated. But hey, you're not worried about the first three games. What have you done for me lately? We're 4 0. Unbeaten uh, in district. Exactly. So you got to just close it out and win one more in your district champs. That's unbelievable. Having seen Fletcher several times this year and the struggles they've had on offense, we've talked about them on the podcast uh, quite a bit. And I did not think Fletcher last week could slow Nice down enough. You know, we've talked about Marcus Stokes quite a bit in that Nice offense could slow them down enough to have enough offense to win that game. I thought if Fletcher could, if, if Nice could score 21 points in this yeah. game, home free in halftime, it looked like they were getting there. Uh, Fletcher's offense just not evolving at all, but that second half completely flipped the script. Fletcher held Nice to a field goal um, in the second half. And C4, I remember talking to him beginning of the season. He said, we're young, we're going to struggle, but I think, you know, I think the future is bright for this team. And if you win a district championship in your first year with an offense that has really struggled Mm -hmm. to put points on the – I mean, points on the board from week one of the season – you're doing something if you're C4, and I think the kids have bought into it. They've gotten better and better as the year's gone on. Jabari Williams running very strong for the Senators, and, man, they've hung their hat on defense and let that offense come around, and they're going to win a district title. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I, I like I say, hats off to uh, C4 and the staff and, and the players buying in and just keep on, you know, week after week just getting a little bit better. And, you know, the results have shown up. You winning these last four weeks, obviously beating a, a tough – High-powered offense in Nice. You got you got to give them all the credit. Yeah, and uh, really, again, Nice in a similar situation as Creekside. You have a great turnaround, yeah. and then you kind of hit a stumbling block in those district games, and it could be on the outside looking in come playoff time, just because the inability to close. It doesn't matter how you start. We've heard it time and again. It's how you finish those games, and Fletcher living proof of that. Um, so Creekside and Nice pressure is on for those guys, as uh, as well as a game we're going to talk about this week. Um, before we're going to get to that one. But the last one I think that stood out to me last week was Trinity Christian against Tallahassee, Florida High, a team yep. that the Conquerors buried in the playoffs last Mur- year. But um, this year a little bit different. Trinity goes on the road. A game I picked them to win comfortably. They lose 31-17. What are your thoughts on that one, Spun? They just, they just kind of never – watching the tape, you know, they never got into a flow. And uh, this was – I was telling you earlier, Trey Donaldson, their star player, he's their – quarterback, receiver, running back, kick returner, corner. He plays everything for him. He's primarily their quarterback now. He's the Auburn commit. This was his first game back all season. And just watching them previous weeks on film and then watching that game, you could tell he was an instant difference maker. I mean, he came in, I think he had 100 yards rushing. And then his passing game was that nickel and dime, you know, play action, flats to the tight end, flats to the back, just picking up four and five yards. They were able to run the ball successfully. They hit a big play on a pass play. They kind of just were in control the whole time. And then defensively, they, they were just selling out. They sold out to stop the run. They were run blitzing and run passing, you know, or a blitzing on the pass. And protection was tough for uh, Bushy Collin. He uh, was under duress all night. Uh, Treyon and uh, Darnell couldn't get going on the ground. It just kind of, it just kind of is a, it's one of those mucked up games where it just, 
you kind of let a team hang around, and then you're on the road, and then you, all of a sudden you find yourself down a score. Next thing you know, you're down two scores, and you're just fighting to get back uphill, and it just never happened, never materialized. I was surprised. Obviously, we talked about them getting beat down by Bulls. How they get off the mat? They come back and beat American Heritage Plantation comfortably in a nice win. And then you go on the road. Is, is it a little overconfidence maybe? Are you kind of feeling yourself again? You, you know, you – you know you lost the Bulls, but you just beat one of the top teams in the state, in the country, and now you go on the road, a team you beat in the playoffs. Whip last year, running so clock last year. So you're year. sitting there thinking, like, that's ah, going to be no problem. And you get into that mindset. You're just talking about, you know, beating teams, you know, four or five years, ten years in a row. I think, you know, when you're always beating teams, you kind of you kind of do say, hey, we're Trinity. We're going to win this game. We're just going to roll out And you cannot do that, especially against a good quality team like Florida High. They're not like a pushover. They're not like the the scrubs of, you know, some of the Tallahassee yeah. teams. And they and, played Trinity last year in the playoffs. And, and they were 10-0 going Florida into that game. Florida High was undefeated were, in that game. They were undefeated in that game. They had Their other star player was hurt. Trey Donaldson was the guy who was trying to keep them going. He, he was the guy who, you know, kept the team up last year. I know they, they beat the heck out of Jackson, I think, in the first round. But uh, Florida High, give them credit. They had a good game plan. Like I said, they kept Trinity off balance. Uh, with their run pass on offense, they you know they like I say they nickled and dimed them with those short pass plays, play actioned them, and then Trinity you know just couldn't stop them. And then on the flip side, they sold out. Trinity couldn't get things going on the ground. Colin threw two interceptions in the game, so they they got they got to pick themselves back up again because we've talked about their schedule. They get Riverside, who's been yeah they've been, stew, they've been stewing for two weeks after that loss. You know they had against Columbia a couple weeks ago, so. No, no easy outing on Friday on the west side. Yeah, it, as we move forward into this week and a game I alluded to a minute ago, um, you know, Baker County, Ed White, essentially for a district championship this yep. week. Baker uh, or Ed White had it. That was a nice, it nice was, one against They got a, a scare uh, last week from Bishop Kenny. Back and forth, back and forth ball game. Did it, did it overtime? 20-22, no, uh, Ed White beat Bishop yep. Kenny. But for Bishop Kenny, a team that was uh, miserable last season, got one win last year. Um, they really, to me, they turned the switch on in the second half of the Baker County game. They came to play. They lost by three touchdowns, but nonetheless, they were getting whitewashed in the first half of that game. And they turned it around, picked yeah. it up, changed things in the second half, and made it a competitive game. And it seems like they were able to do that in the first half against Ed White last week and kept that game really in control of that game until Ed White put it uh, put it together after halftime and won 28-22. So which game, you know, I – I liken this game to, to the to Nice Fletcher game, to the yep. Creekside Bartram game. You've had a great first half of your season, like Ed White. Um, but if you lose a district game at this point in the, the season, your RPI, you're going to have to rely on that. That may not be strong enough to get you one of those five through eight seeds uh, in the region play. So this is a huge game on Friday night. We had some eliminators last week, and I think uh, Baker County, Ed White this week, is certainly the one that you circle and say, okay, winner, take all in this yep, game. Definitely, I think it's for the district championship. Um, it looks like a really good matchup on paper. Ed White's been playing good. We always know Baker County plays well. So I, I'm ready to see it happen. Christian Ellis, my boy, has been toting the rock, man, for them. So that offense has been pretty good. And, you know, they've been good by running the ball, you know, playing defense, you know, controlling the game, you know, with the with the ground game. Baker County kind of does the same similar type thing. They always have a good, nasty defense. So 
Should be a nice matchup. It's on, in it's in, in McClinney, and yeah. that's a tough place to play as always. But you know, I I have concerns about Ed White because they have struggled. They struggled against First Coast, twenty two eighteen. First Coast is winless. They've played a lot of tight games here lately. Yeah, and you know the Bishop Kenny game certainly a little cost concern. They got steamrolled by Mandarin um, a couple weeks ago. So you know I. I may, uh, you know, give the edge right now to Baker County in that game. You're playing at home. Yeah. You're coming off a bye. Um, you know, what What do you do in that game? You know, really they only lost to Mandarin because they didn't have a kicker in that game, and Mandarin absolutely thumped Ed White when they played. So I think that is the headliner this week. Um, and, uh, again, a toss-up. You hate to see a season so promising go off the rails with a district loss or two. And uh, Ed White, I think, is in that territory. You can't afford to give uh, give up a district game. And same thing goes for Baker County, too. You cannot yeah. lose that game and still expect to, to have any kind of comfort come postseason uh, selection time. So, yeah, a couple a couple other games this week I've got my eye on. I, um, I think you and I are pretty much in agreement. Bartram Trail, Oak Leaf, Sponge, I think that's a, that's a huge game, especially Oak Leaf coming off of a district loss to, to – um, to Mandarin last week, that essentially means they've got to win on out uh, from here. So that's tough if Oakleaf misses the playoffs yeah. uh, in, in a situation like that. And Bartram can almost wrap it up this week with a victory or a Mandarin win over Sandalwood. So um, it's some, some big stakes in, uh, in District 1-8A. Um, what's your couple to watch, Bunch? Obviously, we talked about Riverside and Trinity. I like that matchup. Um, you know, Lake City – beat Riverside two weeks ago. Riverside was, we talked about it, they were maybe one of the best defenses in the city, maybe one of the best teams in the city. Were they, you know, were they on the Bulls level? They were up big against Columbia, and then it faltered in that second half in that fourth quarter. They couldn't stop them. Columbia gets the win. I know Riverside and OJ have been over there, you know, just trying to get everything right and get everything ready. I know they can't wait to get back on the field whenever you get a loss like that. Then you have a bye week, you know, you're just kind of like, like I say, stewing. 26-7 in the stewing, fourth quarter. Man. Stewing, I, it, you're just like, let's That, get, that to me was a surprising loss. For sure, for sure. So, I, and then, you know, Trinity coming off a loss now is just, you know, there's no district implications in this game. It's kind of just bragging rights. And, you know, there's been some classic battles. That game's always good. It's always a um, defensive struggle, you know, or a shootout. Close games. They always play well. So, like, that, that's a good one that I, I want to see. Little friction between those two guys. After I know yeah. they were supposed to play in the spring, and, and Trinity, uh, Trinity and Riverside wound up not playing. It was a three-team jamboree at Sandalwood, and um, Trinity wound up just saying, "Hey, we'll play uh, Sandalwood, but uh, not Riverside." So, a little bit of friction. Yeah, going into that one. No doubt, no doubt. I know the uh, it was you know when guys transfer in, sometimes you play them, sometimes you don't. Then you know it's all that. So if that was the issue, hey, it is what it is. You know they'll say, "All right." We already knew we were playing you on the regular season, so we'll just play in the regular season. And Trinity won big last year in that game, a game I covered. They were pretty much in control yeah. of that game. Riverside made it interesting in the second half, but just a, a huge uh, insurmountable lead in that first half last year against uh, against Riverside. Trinity had. So it's an interesting one. Two wounded teams, yeah. in a sense, coming off of uh, – Yeah, both of them are looking to try to get back in the win column for sure. You know, they just uh, – when you, when you have a tough loss like both of them did – you want to get back on the winning side to give you, you know, some, 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 uh, some good, some good medicine to close out the rest of the year. You know, so I like that game, and then the other game I want to see UC and Parker. You know, we talked about Parker's offense and how they've kind of been a struggle. Defense has been really good. UC is obviously one of the better teams around here. 
that's that's who Trinity would play in the playoffs. So it's kind of like one of those measuring stick games for UC. Like, okay, we're actually not the two-way private school. We can go bang with some teams like Parker and, you know, the Reigns and the Bulls and whatever. So I want to see what uh, UC can do against Terry Parker. And Oral Gray back for UC, which is huge for their yeah. uh, playoff uh, push late. He uh, he was out for a little bit of time with, uh, with some ribs, uh, and he is back. He is central to everything they do. Yeah, One of the best two-way players, yeah. I think, in town without question. So that's huge. And, you know, Parker, to me, falls in that same category as a Fletcher. You know, they played in a 9-7 game earlier this year, which pretty much shows you just uh, how offensively challenged both those teams are. But Parker's defense is lights out. And, yeah. again, same thing as Fletcher. If Parker had a, an offense, if Fletcher had an offense, I would put them as probably three-round deep playoff teams because you have great defenses on both of those teams. And you just have a struggle moving the ball for whatever reason. And I think Parker's going to have, uh, have a difficult time moving the ball on, uh, on UC on Friday night, too. For whatever the case may be, they just have not been able to put yeah, it together. UC will scheme it up well to play a good defensive game, I think, against Terry Parker, who obviously is struggling offensively. So the big question is who can score some points? Because may we, just take a, a field goal <laughs> to win that game. Exactly. You better hope for like a big play, maybe Oral Gray. And the special teams on a return or something, uh, big play, you know, him running, busting one or something. But, yeah, definitely look for a low-scoring defensive slugfest. Yeah, and the last one on Friday night, uh, I want to talk about Mandarin and Sandalwood. Always a good game. Gateway Conference rivals, district district rivals. Um, and Mandarin is a team I would not want to play right yeah, now. I think they're, they're, they're the most – They're clicking right now. They're the hottest team in town right now. Take away, you know, the, the bowls is – uh, of the conversation, but Mandarin has just been chomping down teams. I mean, one uh, at Baker County on the road uh, a few weeks ago, squashed White, um, beat Oak Leaf. I mean, again, we talked about them last week, how good they played and how the record really doesn't reflect it. They've yeah. got, gain, I believe, four losses, three losses by a combined eight points. Yeah, tight. It's just, you know, they're a very, uh, they're about 10 points away from being a seven and one team right yeah. now. And, and like I say, they, they, um, They've been playing really good ball lately. You know, Coach Ramsey's got them balling over there. The young quarterback's playing good. They got a big time receiver. Defense is playing good. I see them handling this game. So it, now it comes down to, you know, can they get some help and to get in the playoffs? Or I, I think or, they're. Or, or are they looking at you know? Yeah. I, I just I don't think they're being one and two right now. That would put them at two and two in the district. And I just you know. District wise, I think it's a it's a lost cause, but. Can you finish six, six and four? Yeah, and that's maybe what, and, and that's edge what, your way ultimately in. that's what sucks, man. You play a good, you've you've played pretty solid. You're playing really good now. If you can maybe flip one of those losses early, my bad. In the early in the season, yeah, fifteen fourteen yeah, lost like, to Spruce man, Creek. That I mean, hurts, that you, hurts. You you just you've lost some so close games, and they yeah. are a team right now that I just would not want to have on the schedule as an opposing coach. I mean, they've handled yeah, they their business. They can hurt you. They can, they can be spoiler. Yeah, the really the, the one <laughs> definitive loss they've had was 23-8 to eight to Bartram, and that really was not a bad a bad loss. So um, that's a team I would not want to see right now. I think Sandalwood and Mandarin headed in opposite directions. Yeah. Uh, tough season for Sandalwood after a great run last year. They're 2-5, and five, yeah. uh, not, not poised for a good finish. Probably one of the most disappointing teams in town after what they did last year. 
And then those are the Friday Friday night games we we want to touch on. But Saturday is the big one. Yep, the Rains and Rebalt. Northwest Classic, man. The records this year not as not as uh, not as positive on the Rebalt side. Rains five and two already won the district championship last week with a twenty five six win over Yulee and a Rebalt loss. Yep. So this one for bragging rights. I mean, Rebalt's one and seven. Um, going in the opposite direction, They're struggling, and uh, Reigns clearly on the the way up. How do you view this game? How do you like that Northwest Classic? I, I love that game. It's a fun game. You know, if you've never been, you should try to go out to it. It's a uh, just different atmosphere. You know, it's always a tailgate party. You know, packed out crowd. Both teams, you know, obviously pride. They love their schools, and so it's it's. I love the game. It's fun to go to. Uh, I've been to it several times. Um, Right now, it just looks like Reigns is just kind of – they've been controlling it. They've had, they're have had they a better team this year. So, I think Reigns wins. But, you know, it's still going to be a great time. Yeah, it's such a good atmosphere. And I remember uh, probably five years ago, I went out and, and covered that game and talked to Duran Wiley after the game, former Reigns coach. And he said, it's a shame that this game is played where not more people can see it. You know, back in the day, this was a game that was played at the old Gator Bowl. Yeah, played at the Gator Bowl. Um, you know, and, and it loses a little bit of its luster, I think, if you take it out of the community because if you've not been to that game and not walked around the cars and the, the tailgate section and the individual classes, you know, graduating classes have their own tents set up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just back and forth. It's really – it's almost like uh, Florida, Georgia yeah. of the high school level. And yeah. it's just such a good rivalry. It's such a – um, festive day. It starts well before kickoff. And, you know, Duran at the time said this game deserves a platform that's so much more in a sense. And I, I agree from that sense because it's such a community event. Yeah. But I think if you take it out of those schools' backyards, you lose a little bit of I that. I think you do. I, you know, that's – it's kind of like, uh, you know, they talked about with state championship games. You know, you go – obviously everybody's dream is to go play in the state championship. And, you know, the end game – is, is that usually what's been in the Citrus Bowl for a long time? Last year it was in Tallahassee. It's been in, down in Miami. It's been in Gainesville. So it's always in a big stadium. And it's cool. It's really awesome. But you don't get that. It, it almost would be better if you had a smaller venue. And I know they tried in Daytona. And kind of, I, that was just a fiasco there. Terrible, terrible. But, but anyway, getting back to, like, you know, it, you're in this big stadium, but they're not. it's not packed, you know, so it's not like that loud, raucous crowd. But it's just fun playing in those big stadiums. So I, I think if you, yeah, if you took it out of Reigns or Rebalt and you played it at TIA Bank, yeah, you're going to get good support from those teams. But it's just going to be, you know, a big empty stadium in a sense. And I think it gets more. I think it's more fun, you know, with the tailgate, you know, the rivalry, the the back and forth before the game, the smaller, you know, atmosphere at either off Winton Drive, you know, or over at Reigns, and. It just feels better. So yeah, I, I, I think it should be, you know, it should, I don't think it should go to a bigger stadium. I, I like it flipping back and forth. And you years know, ago, a, a, block, a block over. Yeah, and years ago it was. And um, I just remember seeing the, the front pages of the papers from those games, you're looking back in photo archives and seeing the crowd. And I think that was a different time. I think there were fewer options, fewer things to do. The Jaguars weren't in town. Yeah. Um, it was just a different time back then. And I think putting that game on a bigger stage would be good in theory. But I think you'd lose – I think you, if you talk to 10 different range Rebalt fans, you would probably get 10 different answers on what should happen with that game. But I think that the overwhelming majority would probably say, hey, keep it. This is what makes this game so special. It's, it's what makes the Florida-Georgia game so special is when you take a rivalry game right. like that, plant it at a neutral site, and just see the fans come and celebrate it. But Reigns and Rebalt, 
I think putting that game in a neutral site, you almost exclude the community surrounding those those uh, those schools, and um, you want to make it a, on a bigger scale, which you do by putting it at a Saturday, different venue. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's on its own, kind of just because they play it on a Saturday. If yeah. they played that on Friday night, you know, just kind of you wouldn't get the rest of the community who you know their sons are playing on Fridays at other schools. You know, Riverside Trinity, like all those guys can go to the game on Saturday. They get to watch, you know, their friends who play for Reigns or Reebok or, you know, fans of other teams, you know, can get to go to that game on Saturday just because it's on a different day. So I think that's, in a sense, what's cool about it too. You know, it's an afternoon game, so it's not your traditional Friday night game. So I think that in itself makes it kind of special and, and cool. Yeah, I, it's you kind of kind of back and forth because that game years ago was played in the old Gator Bowl – um, you'd have 10,000 fans there, um, but it just, you know, I think that game deserves a bigger stage, but on a Saturday afternoon on a school campus where you've got the setup, you've got alumni from both schools who never go to any games, that one's the one they go to, and it just it fits right at one of those campuses, even though it could be played on a bigger platform, I think. For sure, for sure. And I, I going back to it, I like the fact that we actually put it on Channel 4 a couple years ago. Yeah, was, it was the was, 50th anniversary of the game. Was, and That was a cool thing that the kids, you know, we do the obviously the Bold City Showcase at the beginning of the year, but we added that little wrinkle by saying, hey, let's get the Northwest Classic on Channel 4, and it was that was a pretty cool thing too. And that game lasts for years. I mean, you can go on Facebook around uh, the time of this game, and you'll still have old players in that series talking about games that happened in the 90s, somebody who missed a tackle, somebody who had a touchdown in that game, somebody who dropped a touchdown pass. So this game, more than any other in the area, and I've run survey questions on this in uh, many, many years, and I just stopped asking the question, what's the best rivalry in the area? And Reigns Rebolt, hands down, wins yeah. every year. It's one of the only true, true rivalries that's withstood the test of time. Definitely. And this is the 50 with the 52nd game uh, that's being played. Rangers won the last four, and they uh, they won that 50th anniversary game 10-7 uh, on WJXT a couple years ago. So this game, just such a good environment, atmosphere for uh, for fans of other teams to, to come and be involved in, and just a great it's, – it's Florida, Georgia on a high school level. Yeah, totally. I agree 100%. So we're getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of the nitty-gritty football babies. season. And uh, – it's just so close to the end of the time. We got RPI coming up. We've got more district champions that'll be decided this Friday. But it's yeah, fun. this Friday, this Friday's gonna be big because we'll get a cl- we're gonna get a clue in on where things will be going. Yeah, I mean, we've got District One Eight A that could uh, be solved. We got the Baker County White District that's gonna be uh, solved. So a lot of uh, questions. You know, last week was kind of the setup, and this is kind of the come down week um, where we're gonna have some more of those uh, lingering questions answered. But Sponge, we've got basketball season little, on the little on tap hoops, too baby, little so hoops going. this uh this week high school basketball media day high school 912 put on uh it at the riverside ynca the fourth year and um always a good event to go to it's tough to get to to other events in football season but basketball season right around the corner girls basketball practice starts uh in a week and boys basketball practice after that how close do you fall basketball a little bit you know i i, I love i love hoops um I really loved it when I was when I was coaching at Trinity. Isaiah Ford was my guy, you know, so it was fun going to watch him play. Uh, obviously, they played, you know, their their schedule, but when they got to play like the Jacksons and the Reigns and the Reebok, those are so those fun. are the ones those, you like. Those, those are fun games to go to because you know there's uh, you're like, can we compete with those guys? 
Trinity basketball hasn't been the greatest uh, basketball. Yeah, uh, when program. Isaiah Ford was there, that, <laughs> that was definitely he was... him and Sean, him and Wade played, and even Rashid. Like that was that was a fun little team back then. But uh, you know, hoops definitely is. Uh, I love college basketball. I love the NBA, and, and I, I'm planning on getting out to a lot more high school hoops this upcoming season. So I'm looking forward to the yeah, season coming up. Recruiting wise, people always latch onto recruiting. It's just how the the sports have gone. And this year, not nearly as strong as it's been in the past, recruiting-wise alone on uh, on the boys' side. Um, Josiah Sabino of Orange Park, probably the headliner in the area. Um, Trent Walker, Bishop Snyder, uh, another good one. So we've got some good players in the area on the boys' side. But the biggest player in the area is Talia Scott, formerly of Bowles and Oakleaf. She's now at St. John's Country Day, and that was a big takeaway from uh, high school media day. You've got a five-star guard, um, ranked ninth in the country by ESPN, I'm going to give you a little presentation on how good that is. Renaya Davis, who's probably the best women's basketball player in the modern era, was ranked 12th by ESPN. So yeah. Talia Scott being in that, uh, that same threshold is uh, pretty darn good. She transferred from Oak Leaf to St. John's Country Day, so she'll try to get it done in 2A basketball. And I think that certainly puts the Spartans as, a, if not state championship favorites, then uh, certainly a uh, contender to play in that uh, 2A game. Uh, so she committed somewhere? Arkansas. Okay. Was committed to Arkansas, big-time program. Um, so she is the uh, the headliner in boys and girls for the next couple years. So interesting to see her in a St. John's Country Day uniform. And uh, interesting to see Bishop Kenny girls. They're changing coaches. Will Mayer, now the head coach of the Crusaders. Maddie Millar coming back. She's committed to UNF. Um, so a lot of that star power on the girls' side of the ball this season. Kenny trying to make it back to Lakeland for the fifth consecutive year so uh will be interesting excuse me the fourth consecutive year um they played in, in uh, three state semifinals in a row state runner up twice so be interesting to see if will mayor can keep up the uh, good work that charles Lee clark did she stepped down and is now coaching at unf so a lot of good storylines on the hoops side of the ball sponge and i'll get into that more as the season unfolds volleyball districts going on this week playoffs begin next week so a lot of uh, a lot of collision of things right now but sponge and i'll delve into that more uh, basketball volleyball and stuff as uh, football gets out of the way but sponge three weeks left in the regular season uh you want to make a crazy prediction for the the end of the regular season i mean i think we kind of know what's going to happen i mean we we've run down everything uh, we know who the top teams are so i don't think anything's going to necessarily surprise us i don't i don't see anything shocking us really you know, we know Bowles, Trinity, Riverside, Bartram. Like, I feel like all those teams are going to be in control of their own destiny. I think they'll close out the season strong, and then, you know, we'll get into playoff times now. The question will be, you know, how good does an Ed White or a Baker County, one of those teams, do they sneak – they get the win and then sneak in and do something in the playoffs? You know, what, what, does Nice come back, you know, from, from having a hot start and, you know, getting another shot at Fletcher maybe or, or another team down the – and to get in the playoffs and make a run? So I think those would be the most maybe shockers, but I think I think it's traditional form. You know, the main teams are going to be the main teams, and you know, hopefully there will be a shocker. Though I like I like when you know something out of the ordinary happens. You have like a team like a Fleming Island a couple of years ago, who all of a sudden came out of nowhere and ran all the way to the to the final four. You know, yep. so that that's basically what I'll be looking at. But I think it's a status quo, man. How about Jackson? They played uh, last I, Thursday night, I, five I, and three. I, now I, I I love Jackson. Like there's a couple pro impact guys who play on that Jackson team, and they're a scrappy squad. You know they I, I think they could definitely make some noise. They got a pretty solid quarterback. My dude Grayson Howard is a monster. He is like he's a beast. Uh, Khalil Francis, uh, 
the running backs a, a baller. Like I like Jackson, so that definitely a team to circle and keep an eye on for the last three weeks to see how they close out and see if they can make some noise. Yeah, it's, sure. it's it's been they were one of my surprise teams entering this season, and what Coach uh, Christopher Foy has done over there has yeah, been uh, pretty job. remarkable and. Um, you know, they had a lot of tragedy be, to, to no, trust, lead into this season. Trust, so man. Donald, had... uh, Donald Rocker yeah. uh, passed away unexpectedly, the offensive coordinator. And then um, not long before the season began, Lynn J. Shell passed yeah, away. Exactly. Um, so two important parts of the uh, coaching staff, the Tigers, really, all they knew is turmoil to begin this season. And, oh, by the way, in the wake of that, you're out to your best season in uh, quite some time have possibly a seven-win regular season in sight, um, which would just be remarkable for a program that has just been uh, turnstile when it comes to coaches, when it comes to players. Yeah, good players leaving just to not play there. Um, so Jackson, very good surprise team. Interesting to see if they can uh, follow that up and make it to the postseason. Definitely. And um, one of the surprise teams this year. So yeah. good to see like a that. non-traditional power um, Post Kevin Sullivan era, non-traditional power, make it uh, make some noise. Good to see Coach Foy and the Jackson Tigers doing big things. So that'll wrap us up. Week eight of the high school football season review. We're heading into week nine. We'll have a lot of playoff talk. Hopefully, coming to you next week for Sponge Franklin, Justin Barney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Market Podcast.